0: Common ground can be a bit like this. You know some people anybody here like jazz? Anybody here like jazz? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Does anybody here like rock and roll? Rock and roll music? Yeah, see all the hands for that one. rock and roll. Rock and roll. I don't like jazz. I kinda's of, okay, jazz is okay. Uh, I prefer rock and roll, now we can argue all day as to which one is the more beautiful music but I'm sure we would agree that music is a beautiful thing, yeah? See that's common ground. Another common ground you might find interesting would be like, for instance, if you're interested in sport, some people say that Liverpool are the best team. (laughs) One person says Liverpool are the best team. Some people believe Manchester United are the best team. They're wrong, um, <laughs> wherever, wh- however we argue about that, you would have to agree that football is a beautiful game though. No. Nah. not you agree? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> and what game would it be for you, coach? Hockey. Hockey. Really? <laughs> you know, Jolly <jumping> hockey sticks? <laughs> is that field hockey right, hockey? <laughs> If you come to Ireland on holiday, and by the way, if you're a visitor here, I think we gave you a, a, a round of applause a while ago. If you come to Ireland, you'll find people who disagree on what is the best place. Some people say, if you go to County Clare and you see the Cliffs of Moher, that's the most beautiful place. Some people say, if you go up north to the north coast, you see the Giant's Causeway, that's the most beautiful place. Whatever you think about those two things, you'd have to agree on this, Cork is the most beautiful place. <laughs> Would anyone say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want talk to you about common ground. Finding common ground with people uh, this morning. I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter 10, where Peter found common ground, where the Jews found common ground with the non-Jews. You know what? There's people here this morning, you've disagreed with people all of your life. I'm going to I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to urge you to see if you can find common ground and end that argument. Would anyone say amen? I'm going to be looking at the scripture. I looked at this Acts chapter 10. Uh, a couple of weeks ago before I was rudely interrupted by the brilliant Craig Cooney. Um, And I'm gonna return to this because I wanna finish off the chapter because it's really important, it's really important. Does anybody know what day today is? Anybody know what day today is? I know it's Sunday, anybody know? It's Pentecost Sunday on the ball. I didn't realise yesterday it was Pentecost Sunday, but I'm going to be talking about a Pentecostal experience inside here that happened to people who were not Jews. We're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. But when I was talking about Gone to the dogs, I was telling the story of two people in effect, two people who had experiences. One was a guy called Cornelius. He was a centurion, a Roman centurion, one of the he was a, a, an officer in the dominant power of the area of Palestine at the time where they were living in Judea. He was one of the one of the Henshaw, one of the Forces of the Roman rule. And he had a vision. God came to him, or an angel came to him, and gave him words from God and said, This is what you need to do. You can read it yourself, the first part, or else tune in the messages up there on YouTube. At the same time, meanwhile, somewhere else, the Holy Spirit uh, begins to speak, or God begins to speak, directly to the Apostle Peter, the guy known as Simon Peter. And Simon Peter receives a vision. And it's a weird kind of a vision. We looked at it last time. The, the vision was this really simply a sheath comes down from heaven heaven lower down by the four corners in the sheet is all sorts of animals rabbits snakes lizards vultures seagulls all kinds of things all of the animals that were forbidden for the jews to eat had been banned for the jews to eat for 1500 years and a voice said to him get up peter kill them and eat them and he said never lord i would never i've never eaten anything like that i would never do that But as I said then, if Peter never did, the things that he said he'd never do, he would never have become the person that he became. Are you with me? Sometimes we have to say, never say never, never say never. You never know where God is going to take you or what he's going to instruct you to do. And so these two men have visions. And in the process the Lord is speaking to Simon Peter Cornelius sends men to find uh, Simon Peter Simon Peter's a bit of a mystery doesn't know what's going on and that's where the story picks up this week are you with me okay let's pick up the story let's read what the scripture says but first let's pray father in heaven we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword Lord I thank you that it cuts right through all the junk in our lives and gets right to the heart of the matter I pray today we would get to the heart of the matter for us Lord and I mean that in literally in the sense of our hearts what's going on in our hearts and minds that your words speak to us we pray in Jesus mighty name amen. Amen. amen amen here we go here we go meanwhile as Peter was wondering what the vision was about and my words the Holy Spirit said to him three men are coming looking for you get up Go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I've sent them. He didn't tell them what kind of people they were, where he was going, nothing. He just said, get up, go with the three men. So they come and they knock at the door. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for, why have you come? So when Peter opens the door, standing at the door, are two servants of Cornelius and a Roman soldier, So when you see a Roman soldier at your door in those days, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you to go. You just go because there's a Roman soldier at your door. Do you know what I'm saying? You just follow exactly as he tells you to do. And so they tell the story of why they're there. They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. Peter doesn't know what's coming. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so he can hear your voice. Message. Peter has no idea who was going to be at the door. He has no idea what's going to happen and what they're going to ask him to do. God hasn't said any of this stuff to him. Nothing is clear to him. Just the Lord said, trust me and do what? Do, just go with these men. Trust me on this one. And sometimes God reveals part of his plan. Sometimes he reveals none of his plan. But sometimes he says, go or come or go there and do that and trust me for the rest. That's faith brothers and sisters. That's faith in action. When you believe God has told you to go somewhere and you go there and God moves in that situation. So Peter invited the men in to stay for the night. Now let me just make this one simple comment. When he invited the men in to stay for the night, He already was breaking Jewish rules that had existed for over 1,500 years. That was, you didn't let non-Jews into your house. You didn't eat with them. You didn't share your house with them. You didn't share your utensils with them. You didn't even share your toilet with them. Not that they really had proper toilets, but you know what I'm saying. You didn't do that with non-Jews. Already something is happening in the heart and in the mind and in the practice of Peter. Are you with me? Already something's going on for him. You see, that's how our lives change. First of all, very often it's our hearts that change first how we feel about a situation or about a people changes first and then the way we think about other people about ourselves or about God that changes and then finally our actions change in response to the way that we feel and the way that we think if we leave out the action part we haven't gone far enough because as the action is what God is interested in he's interested in our will you with me so you already see the change begin to happen in peter's life now then they make the journey so i opened up my google google Google. i opened up my google maps to see how far it was from joppa to caesarea and this is how far it is it takes you 11 hours and 50 minutes by the best route to walk between uh, joppa tel aviv yaffo at the bottom there and caesarea this is the journey that they make and sometimes we have to go on a journey and this journey as they go, God do, Peter doesn't know what God is going to do. He doesn't know what he's going to face. He doesn't know what task he will be asked to do. But I can imagine the conversation was very interesting as they went up the road, as they discussed what had happened, what had happened to Cornelius, and what had happened at the same time to Peter as they walked the road. And as they walked this 12-hour journey, 1,500 years of hostility and hurt and hindrance and broken relationships begins to fall. As he walks back with these non-Jews to the house of a Roman officer, 1,500 years of history begins to fall away. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to make a journey of reconciliation. Sometimes we have to make a journey to a place where God can change us and God can use us. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Sometimes a three-minute phone call or a five sentence email or a two line text can undo decades of hurt hostility and separation and if you're here this morning and you feel it on your heart that you need to reconcile with someone that you've fallen out with take this as a prophetic word the lord is saying to you make that call take that journey do so in faith and i will be with So he takes undertakes the journey, goes off, heads up, drop it to Caesarea, and as he arrives, he comes to the house of, of Cornelius. And it says this: it says, Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called them together, called together his relatives and close friends. And as as Peter entered his house, as Peter stepped over the threshold into his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. No, you're a Jew. The Romans have been persecuting you for about 300 years at this stage. And before them, the Greeks hammered the living daylights out of you. And the Persians, before that, hammered the living daylights out of you. And here you walk into the house of this Roman centurion, an officer. And when he sees you, what does he do? He bows down before you to worship you. What would that be like? As Peter stands there looking at Cornelius on his face, worshiping him. What an opportunity for pride. What an opportunity to say, "Ah oh, yeah, well, the Lord is with me, Cornelius. <laughs> You're doing the right thing, buddy. Yes. You ruined our country and our people, and this is what you owe us. Hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> what an opportunity he had to stand there and revel in the moment. Do you know? when you've been persecuted and your country has been invaded for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and then suddenly the people that persecuted you and invaded you and starved you and beat you are bowing at your feet. Mm, Wouldn't that feel marvellous? Think about it brothers and sisters. Wouldn't that feel special? But that's not how Peter reacts. Peter looks at this man, and he knows that God is on the move. And what does he do? He finds common ground with this man. Here's what he says. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up! Or as we'd say in Cork, stand up, you (laughs) idiot! I'm a human being just like you. Pinch me, cut me, I'll bleed. Punch me, I'll hurt and I'll bruise. I'm a human being just like you. You and the temptation to accept the adulation. Because as you know, our culture is all about the worship of the person. It's worship of yourself is the way that you're supposed to find happiness now. Worship yourself, hallelujah. C.S. Lewis was once asked, which of the religions makes you happy? He said, if you want to be happy, worship yourself. That's the best religion for that. Because you, you'll always be, oh, I am so great in my own eyes. But he finds this common ground. He says, I'm just a human being just like you. And that's what your job, brothers and sisters, that's what my job is. When we deal with people that we, that we don't know or that, who don't know about us, we have to find common ground with them. Because you can't have a conversation or reconcile anyone to God unless you have common ground with them. I say that as a parent who's well able to criticize the behavior of his children, okay? But I have to find common ground go, do you know what? I was a young fella once too. I was in my 20s once, and boy, I wasn't that nice either. But Jesus saved me. Hallelujah. Sometimes you, you have to find the common ground. Now, when I told the next thing to the church at 10 o'clock, they kind of went really quiet, and you can go quiet too, that's okay, but I'm just telling you a story that happened to me. My wife and I were in Italy recently. We went for a week, to, five nights, to Rome, and it was an amazing experience. The history was incredible, it was powerful, the, the scenery was brilliant, the, the, the architecture was amazing. So one evening, it was, the, it, was the, it was on a Tuesday evening, we weren't there that long, maybe there three nights at that stage. I went over to St. Peter's Square in the evening, which is an amazing place to be. I mean, just when you're standing there, having watched it on TV and seen it in movies and just seen it for years and years, when you're actually standing there, you go, wow, this is a pretty cool place, in terms of its architecture, by the way. The one thing I would have to say is that in all of my experience there, because I went to the museum there and so on and so forth, I never really got a sense of God. I got a sense of grandeur and genius, but I never really got that sense of God. Let me just put in that caveat. So while I'm there, I went over and I went to take a photograph with the Swiss guards. You know the Swiss guards, the guys who dress in the clown outfits, you know? Sorry, that's probably the wrong way to describe it, but they knew, they have this kind of colorful outfit. So, um, and they're, they're German, they're Swiss Germans, and the Swiss Germans are very Swiss and very German. And they're very straight, so I said, Do you mind, I'd like to get a selfie to send home to my sons. He said, No, no selfie, no selfie. Oh, I said, Okay, so I took a photograph from back here. No photograph, no photograph. And then, uh, I looked around and I could see that all the chairs were all laid out in St Peter's Square. And I said, "Is there something happening here tomorrow?" We were staying about 600 metres away. Um, I said, "Something happened." He to says, "Tomorrow, general audience with the Pope." I said, "Oh wow, general audience, like the crowd come out, like 12,000 people to meet with the Pope. They kind of, he kind of drives through the crowd and that kind of stuff." And he said to me, "Do you want tickets?" Oh. "Hmm. <laughs> Do I want tickets to see the Pope?" See, that's how the 10 o'clock audience responded as well. They could have said, did he? Didn't he? I said, No, I will not touch the Pope. Of course I took the tickets to see the Pope. Would you take tickets to see the Rolling Stones or Ed Sheeran? Hallelujah, let's close in prayer. If anybody needs to repent, no, just feel free. Just feel free, oh, Hallelujah, Lord. I realize that I've been worshipping Ed Sheeran. I'm going to Rome to repent. So I took the tickets for the Pope, to see the Pope. You're one of 12,000 people. So the following morning we went to see the Pope and let me just tell you, the following morning we went in, it was a great experience sitting in the sunshine in Rome, thousands of people there. It was like a rock concert, like people were like, ah, singing for the Pope, and they were singing songs. It was, it really was, it was like going, literally like they said, go and see U2 or something like that. It was really something else. And of course I arrived and I said to my wife, and I know she's probably watching on Facebook because she's a bit sick this morning. So I said to I said, look, we'll stay at the back and let the faithful go up the front. We'll just, you know, we'll just kind of stay here at the back, nice and quietly and just watch it all. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Row four. Could touch the Pope. Say, I'm sorry I don't have a baby. If you can have to kiss the baby, you'd be amazing. The point I want to make is this common ground. That was my experience growing up. I grew up as a, a Roman Catholic youngster. We, you know, we, we didn't go and see the Pope, we watched him on the television every Christmas, every Easter doing the Orbi, Orbi at Orbi, Orbi, you know, watching the whole blessing up. My, I live next door, my, 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 uh, there's somebody I know who lives near me and uh, I've known this person for 25 years and in all that time we've never had a conversation about faith, ever, never once. And matter of fact it was one of those areas where you know that this isn't something that you talk about because we're kind of the weird occult inside the city centre and that kind of thing. So, um, so I'm having a conversation with this person, very well travelled, a neighbour of mine, and I said, I, she, she said to me, so were you away recently? I said, yeah, we were in Rome. Oh, Rome, he said, what? She said, that's amazing. She says, did you go and see the Vatican? I said, I did, actually. She said, she said, really? <laughs> I said, yeah, I went to see the Vatican. She said, you'll be telling me next you saw the Pope. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Will you come back to us, she said. <laughs> uh, so, I said, "Did you see the Pope?" And I, I said, "I did." I said it was an amazing experience. I said we didn't really expect. It. I mean, we weren't there to see the Pope. We just we got free tickets. And you get know, you free tickets to Ed Sheeran, you go and see Ed Sheeran. You get free tickets to the Pope, you go and see the Pope. So um, we had this conversation, and for the first time in 25 years, we have a 45-minute conversation about faith, about church, about the life of faith, about the Bible, about Jesus. For the first time ever, do you know why? There was only one reason. Because I found common ground by going to see the Pope. Who would have guessed? I don't get a big gig over the Pope, but i you have yourself. But it was common ground. We could meet somewhere. Somewhere we said, oh yeah, well, I'm also a person of faith. And we had this conversation. Are you with me? Brothers and sisters, keep an eye out for common ground. Because if you're talking down to people, or talking over people, or talking at people, the fingers are in their ears. They're not listening. They're not listening. They're not listening. You need to be able to find common ground with people. And if you take nothing else away, oh, there's my remote control. If you, if you take nothing else away, find that common ground. Peter pulls him up and says, I'm a man just like you. And I love the idea that he steps over the threshold and in stepping over the threshold, he undoes history. You know, sometimes it can be hard to step over the threshold. It can be hard to step over the threshold into a new job, into a new home, into a new situation. Or into a new relationship. But if the Lord goes before you, if the Lord goes before you, you can step over any threshold. Will anyone say amen? Amen. Anyway, he moves on. So they talked together and they went inside where many were assembled. And it begins. Peter told them, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home or associate with you. That's a nice way of starting a conversation, isn't it? When I'm not really supposed to be with you, so like, but you know, it's against our law, so I really shouldn't be associating with you. And then he gets, and he decides to take it up one notch higher in the diplomacy, and he says this. He says, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So yesterday, I thought that you were an ugly parasite, but today, God has changed my heart. <laughs> Yesterday I thought you were filthy, unclean dogs, but today God has shown me that I shouldn't think about you like that at all. Hi, I'm Peter. <laughs> you see, the way he even starts this conversation, is like, Peter, no, no, don't, don't, don't say that, Peter, oh, for goodness sake, don't say that, you're going to turn him off. But that's not actually what happens at all, because God was already at work in this situation. Because, you know, we read about stories about people being converted in the, new, in the, in the Bible, Peter is converted he is converted from being a pure jew to being a christian who includes those who are not jewish he is converted he actually has a conversion experience by as a result of god visiting him and this vision coming to pass in his life you've got to show me i should think of no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean and you'd imagine at this stage that the Romans and the, all the assembled non-Jews would stick their fingers in the air and say, "Thanks very much, no, I don't want to hear any more from you, Peter." I mean, could you imagine saying that nowadays? Could you imagine saying to anyone, uh, "You know, I used to think of you as impure and unclean, but now God has changed my heart, and I, you know, I'm so softened towards you." You're going to get a black eye. That's what you're going to get when you make a statement like that. And so he says, "Would you mind telling me why I'm here?" And Cornelius, for the third time in this chapter, explains why he calls Simon Peter, explains about the visit of the angel, and the voice of God, and the instructions that God gave him. You see, You don't know what God has been doing in the lives of the people that you meet every day. You don't know what God has been speaking to them in their dreams, in their experiences, in their days. You don't know what voice God has been speaking to them via. You just don't know. So we need to go into situations going, Lord, maybe you could use me in this situation. Maybe I could be the bringer of that voice which will bring change in the lives of others. Does anybody here want to be that person? I want to be that person. Throw your hands up if you want to be that person. And so Peter begins to speak to them. And I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna read it to you from, from my own Bible, the Bible I read every day. This is from the New Living Translation it's from Acts chapter 10. And I'm gonna read it to you, but I'd like you to listen to it rather than actually putting it up on the screen. And there's a very simple reason. I was always a bit kind of doubtful, and I always felt a little bit guilty when I listened to audiobooks. Does anybody here listen to audio books? Or podcasts, yeah. I always felt kind of guilty, unless the audiobooks. Because it's not real reading, is it? I mean, you can't be cleaning the toilets and reading a book at the same time. And I always felt bad about it. Except for one day, I had this amazing revelation. One, I remembered almost everything that I heard in the audiobook, just as much as I read. And the other is that when the early Christians heard the scripture, that's exactly what they did. They heard it. They didn't read it. They didn't have the New Testament yet. And so they listened to the gospel being preached to them. Because faith comes by. Hearing. Hearing. It comes by hearing the word of God. So I'm going to read just a couple of verses for you, if you're okay with that. And I'm going to ask you to listen without prejudice. Listen without prejudice. Maybe you've never heard these words before. Maybe it's never the gospel, the good news about Jesus, has never been explained to you before. But Peter does an amazing, simple, presse of the gospel in this situation. I'm going to ask you, would you do something? If you really want to listen, close your eyes close your eyes for a few moments. Wait, trust us, there's nobody robbing your wallet or sinking their hand into your pocket and I'm not going to do some kind of magic trick and when you open your eyes I'll have disappeared or something like that. Even though, even though you might have hoped that that would be the situation. You might hope that, that would be the situation. But I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to read what Peter said. It'll just take, it'll just take literally one minute. Lord, move on your word We pray. Amen. Then Peter replied to them, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what happened um, throughout Judea beginning with Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. And then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everything and preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the gospel, Lord. Would anyone say amen? Amen. They crucified him, but God raised him to life on the third day. Hallelujah. And then he sat and he ate with the people that had followed him through the three years of his ministry. But in all of this, Peter finds common ground because this is the ground we all stand on. God found common ground with us by coming as a man, Jesus Christ. John says in John 1:14 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4:15 says. We do not have a high priest who doesn't know what we're going through, but Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. He found common ground with us so that when we repent or when we pray or when we have fears or when we have concerns, he understands. Hallelujah. He's found common ground with us. Will you step on to the common ground of Jesus today? Hallelujah. Will you step on? Here's the three things he points out. He says very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Can I get an amen? Amen. He has no favorites. Would anyone say amen? Amen. He goes on to say, in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Lastly, he said, everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And so he creates the common ground, explains how it's no longer just for Jews only, but it's for all of those who are out beyond the, the Jewish community. It's now a whole new gospel. And Peter himself, I guarantee it, cannot believe what he's saying. He is saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's no longer just the insiders now, it's also the outsiders who are coming in. Say, I'd say he literally is wondering, what am I doing here in this house? The risk that he has taken, the risk he's taking with his fellow apostles, the risk he's playing with the, with, the, with the Christians back in Jerusalem, the risk he's taking with his family, the risk he's taking with his own wife, For going into the house of these uncircumcised believers, as they call them. And then something amazing happens. Something that I pray, I long for, would happen in my life. And have experienced on a number of occasions. But I love to experience it again. It says this that even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. That even he didn't have to say, and now we will have. He didn't say, and we have this special program to advance the gospel in Judea and Samaria. He didn't say, yes, we've got a strategic five-year plan. He didn't say, here's our leadership skill. He didn't pull any psychological tricks. He just told the gospel and the Holy Spirit fell on all who were sitting there, hallelujah. Would you like the Holy Spirit to fall on you? Yes. I'd love the Holy... Would you like... Just me and and Tony, I think he Would like the Holy Spirit to fall on us? We'd like the Holy... I'd like the Holy Spirit to fall on us. Fall, Holy Spirit. We are open to you. We want to hear you. We want to feel you. We want to experience you in this place. And even as Peter... And you know, I want to say to you this. Even as... What wonderful words. Even as Michael was going to work that morning, God was at work ahead of him. Even as I was cleaning the toilets, God was preparing something. Even as you were going... Going about your business, going to work, going about your life, even as you were going about all the things you were doing, God was at work and was already one step ahead of you Amen. he is already one step he is all of the steps in fact ahead of you the Holy Spirit falls and what happens this is what happens he says the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God how did they know that this was an experience of the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speaking the languages of the Aramaic peoples. That's how they recognized that the Holy Spirit had moved. They began to speak in tongues, and the Jewish believers who had come with Peter recognized the language. It happens. It happened to me. I was at a meeting one evening. We were uh, having a prayer meeting in in a house back in the early days of grace. And we were worshipping. I was the worship leader. I was also the musician. It was just back in the day when we were small and we we were worshipping God one night in somebody's house. And after the meeting, a guy came up to me. and says, did my wife tell you what happened to you in the meeting? And I said, "Eh, no, she didn't. So he calls his wife over. His wife... Uh, was a we had a degree in Spanish and had spent at least one year actually I was thinking after be two years working as an art pair in Spain and I said hi how are you she said she said do you realize what happened to you during the meeting I said no she said while you were sp- praying in tongues you suddenly broke into fluent Spanish I had no idea my jaw dropped open I said, what do you mean she said you were praying and you were saying the Father has us in the hollow of his hand and that his other hand, or he is protecting us and providing for us with his other hand. You were praying this in Spanish in the meeting. So after I was picked up off the floor and I got a glass of water and came back to myself, it happened to me. It happened to me, and this person had no reason to make up the story to me. I knew these people, I knew them well, I knew what they were saying, but I needed to experience and hear that, and God put the right person in the right place at the right time for me to hear that. hallelujah He'll do the same for you. Amen? amen He'll do the same for you. They were amazed when they saw the Holy Spirit fall, and then I love the next part. it says this it says, "Even. Then Peter said, can anyone object to their being baptized knowing that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Common ground. The Holy Spirit fell on them just like it fell on us. They listen to the gospel. We listen to the gospel. They listen to the gospel. No, we are one people. We were two separate people. We were different people. We're no longer ethnically divided. So he gives them instructions for them to be baptized in Jesus Christ. Bear with this. He says, this is what um, Ray Steadman said. He said, this is it. This is God's program. The Holy Spirit doing the whole thing. I've quoted this before. Energizing, guiding, directing, programming, empowering, communicating life. He does it all. There's no call. There's no moment. It just happens. He does it all. It's not up to us to do anything except be available. Are you available? Would you like to be available to see the Holy Spirit move through you this coming week? How's about even we say, Lord, this week, give me an opportunity that you can move through me so I can speak the words of life to those who are around me. Here's what Paul wrote. Paul wrote this. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings to share its blessings. I do everything I can to find common ground. Does that mean he sinned? No. Does that mean he broke his own conscience? No. Does it mean he did things that you really shouldn't be doing? Was he doing shady dealing so he could reach the shady dealers? No. But he did everything he could to find common ground with people so that he could win them back. I want to finish off with this last scripture. This is what Paul writes. He says this, he says, he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Hallelujah! You're all one. the The old boundaries are gone. The free people and the slave people, not no more. That's gone. No longer Jews over here and non-Jews over here. Not that boundary's gone. No longer men over here and women over here. Would anyone say Amen? amen. Do Do we believe that? No longer men over there and women over here, or women over here and men over here there would anyone say amen Australia us again there's no longer boundaries of sex or gender or race there's no longer boundaries of class or background all of us are one in jesus christ hallelujah we are all one in jesus christ he elaborates it even better in colossians this is the last verse i was wrong i thought that one was the last verse this is what he says i love this because i think the irish are actually in this verse he says this he says in this new life it doesn't matter whether you are a jew or a gentile Whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, and all the men said hallelujah. Whether you're barbaric, like the Irish, or uncivilized, or slave, or free, Christ is all that matters. He's all that matters. And he lives where? In all of us, hallelujah.